0: Reynolds is back. Could you tell me something about yourself, please? And he's hotter than ever before. I need for you to help me. And if I get killed? I want this guy so bad for what he did to me. I lectured on economics at Yale. Are you scared? I'm a licensed pilot. And I can memorize the front page of the New York Times in five minutes. National Gold Gloves champion three years in a row. And I'm fluent in four languages. My Lila. In Las Vegas, you've got to be tough. Ah! They're coming to kill you, asshole. Ah! God, my eye! I hit my, my own eye! I'm not gonna run. I don't know how to hide. Ah! You mean I'm on trial? <laughs> For your life? My nose is bleeding, my eye is black, and I've broken my hand. I suspect Nicholas is the most lethal man alive. Bring it down. Nice. Bring it down. <laughs> Can't protect him forever. For some people, one shot is all they get. Burt Reynolds. and welcome to the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson podcast and what are we looking at this time we're looking at the 1986 movie heat not to be confused with the 1995 movie heat that one starred Robert De Niro and Al Pacino this one of course stars Burt Reynolds and this is the mid to late 80s where Burt Reynolds started his slide Burt Reynolds was the king of films in the late 70s and early 80s. But once the mid-80s hit, the quality of his film kept uh, dipping and dipping and dipping. And on my last podcast I did about Burt Reynolds, City Heat, that was the movie where he got hit in the face with a chair and it messed up his jaw. And he basically had to take three years off of filmmaking to get his life and health back together. So he lost a lot of momentum at that time and when he came back the films that he did were not lesser quality i don't want to say lesser quality a lot of the films he's known for are not good quality but the uh, the shine on his star had gone and he would have to wait until uh the uh, 90s for a bit of a resurgence but we're looking at 1986 movie heat starring burt reynolds peter mcnichol and howard hessman the movie starts kind of dramatically where this woman in a cocktail dress gets picked up and thrown out of a car. She's not thrown out of a moving car, but this car stops. This big guy comes out, takes her, and this dumps her on the lawn right in front of a hospital. And while this is happening, we're cutting back and forth between seeing this woman on the ground walking to the hospital. Burt Reynolds is in this dive bar, and he's shooting pool. A woman comes in. And he starts hitting on the. He's Burt Reynolds is acting like a total, total jerk uh, during all this, hitting on this woman, making her feel uncomfortable. And while he's doing that, we're cutting to the other woman, who's just if you look, her face is just beaten to a bloody pulp, and she's just staggering into the hospital. And then we see scenes of her on a gurney, getting rushed through the hospital. And then finally, in the dive bar, this guy comes in. He's the woman's date. And they start talking, and Burt Reynolds starts harassing both of them. This guy, the guy starts talking back to Burt Reynolds, and Burt Reynolds is hes trying to get into a confrontation, even so far as he, he reaches over and snatches the hairpiece off the guy's head, which is kind of ironic, since Burt Reynolds is famous for wearing a toupee. This guy, he just snatches it off his head, and he taunts him with the toupee, and the woman finally convinces him to leave, but Burt Reynolds follows him out to the parking lot. They get into an altercation, and this little guy who just got his toupee snatched off his head beats the crap out of Burt Reynolds. We cut to the next day, and it's Burt Reynolds in a diner. And the guy that just beat him up walks in, and here's what happened. Next, it worked. It worked. We're going to Atlantic City. Right. <laughs> I got a zillion things I gotta take care of, so let's get this done. Okay, it was, uh? 500. Right? Not the right amount, I. Well, sure it is. Um, we agreed. Don't you remember? I, I asked you if it was okay if I beat the crap out of you. Not your everyday request. And, and we said it. It was 150 for your time in trouble, another, another 150 if it worked. That's it's 300. Okay, and another 200 is a kind of a friendship bonus, okay? I appreciate it, Alice. Don't tip me. In the diner, we see that this movie is set in Vegas. So this is a Las Vegas movie. And this movie is totally 80s because it is totally un-PC. Because Burt Reynolds in the, is in the diner. Well, it's totally PC because earlier in the movie, when he was taunting this little guy, he called him the F-word. And now he's in the diner and this guy comes in and tells two extremely racial jokes back to back totally 80s totally non-pc they didn't care back then burt reynolds is walking from the diner we see him walking from the diner evidently this movie takes place during christmas i don't know why they said it during christmas it's not relevant at in the movie at any point but it's but it's said at christmas because burt reynolds walks into his office and he puts this christmas tree down on the desk of howard hessman who is his office mate and Howard Hessman is a lawyer and it's not really made clear what Burt Reynolds does. It comes out later that he was a mercenary and he's hired for covert jobs and that, and I never could understand why a mercenary and a lawyer are sharing the same office It just does not make sense. But they are. And it's with Howard Hessman. And of course we know Howard Hessman was on WKRP with Lonnie Anderson, who at one time was married to Burt Reynolds. That was an interesting fact. And it's one of the few interesting things about this movie. This movie is an hour and 45 minutes long and hardly anything happens. Interesting start. A woman, face beat up, wanders into a hospital. Burt Reynolds. He hires himself out to get beat up so this guy can get married. Okay, we're in the office with Howard Hessman. They just talk about... Burt Reynolds suffers from migraine headaches uh, during this whole movie. Which is... Which doesn't really come into play either. Like in Die Hard 3, when Bruce Willis had a headache... The whole time at the end, it came, you know, when they the guy gave him the aspirin and that gave him the key to where they were. That played into it. Having a headache in this movie doesn't it's just a quirk that's doesn't lead anywhere. Maybe it's character development, maybe it's not. I don't get it. Anywho, while they're in the office, Peter McNichol walks in and he looks like he's 12. <laughs> And he hires Burt Reynolds to be a bodyguard. Peter McNichols passes himself off as a big spender in Vegas. And he wanted somebody to protect him while he's out gambling. And he hires Burt Reynolds. And Burt Reynolds is going to meet him at his hotel at 8 o'clock that evening. Peter McNichols leaves. We get a phone call. And it is from Holly. And Holly is the woman that got beat up at the beginning of the movie. And Burt Reynolds goes over to her place. She comes out, and her face is just all pulp, you know, beaten to a pulp, stitched up. She got herself fixed up. Holly is a prostitute, and she tells the story of how she she finished up with one guy and she was leaving the hotel. And then, as she calls it, this tiny, pretty boy and and his two gorillas jumped her, took her into their room beat her up and raped her and left her by the side of the road and she wants Burt Reynolds to find out who he is so she can sue him and Burt Reynolds doesn't believe it and Burt Reynolds says he's not going to help her but Burt Reynolds helps her evidently they've known each other for quite some time she's incredible. She's much younger than Burt Reynolds he says I knew you when you had braces and, and pimples and now Now she's a prostitute, and now he's going to help find out who the person was that beat her up. Burt Reynolds starts nosing around. He talks to a couple of his connections in town. Burt Reynolds is one of those people who knows everybody, and he doesn't really... He's piecing it together. He doesn't have all the information, but he's getting it. And then we cut to... That night where he meets Peter McNichols, they just go from place to place where Peter McNichols, he's gambling, but he's only gambling like twenty-five or fifty bucks. And Burt Reynolds is getting kind of aggravated. He didn't know why he paid him to chaperone him. This movie is long stretches of it stuff just goes on for this. There's this this long stretch of Peter McNichols gambling and Burt Reynolds just looking aggravated over his shoulder. And this goes on and on and on until finally Burt Reynolds just has enough. And he says, you know what, I'm out of here. And he leaves him. And then he goes to Holly's place and tells her who did this. And then she tells him, you have to help me get them because she's not going to sue him. She wants revenge. And Burt Reynolds says, fine, I'll help you. Burt Reynolds is one of these tough guys with a heart of gold, the character that you've seen a a million times in movies. He goes to the hotel room of the little guy, of the pretty boy. That's what we're going to call him, pretty boy. And he knocks on the door, and one of the pretty guy's goons answers the door, and he says he was sent there by Baby. And Baby is the head, we don't know this at this point, but it comes out later that Baby is the head mob guy in Vegas. He's the one that keeps everything... Under control. He controls everything that happens in the underground in, in Vegas. So, Burt Reynolds says, "I'm baby has sent me. He's got a girl for pretty boy. And they let him in. And this little guy. He's got to be like maybe 5'3", five, 5'4". Five, he comes down the stairs and he starts talking shit to Burt Reynolds. And Burt Reynolds starts talking shit back to him. Finally, Burt Reynolds goes into action. And he takes out the two goons. And he takes out the pretty boy. And then we see Holly come up to the room and she comes in and Burt Reynolds lets her in and pretty boy is tied up on the ground. The goons are tied up. When the pretty boy beat up Holly earlier, he put a gun inside her as she put it and it was not her mouth and he pulled the trigger and there was a click. And he said that they were playing a game. Well, Holly is pulls out a pair of hedge trimmers, and she says, "Now we are gonna play a game." Let's see. Uh. Guess they are sharp enough. Look here, there's a little tent cut. (laughs) Probably it doesn't look all that little and tiny to you. I'm bleeding. I'm bleeding. Please. <laughs> I didn't mean it. Please. Jesus. Please. You are not mad at me yet? No. Good. I'm gonna give you the same break you give me. Tell me you love me. I love you. I love you. I don't think that sounded very (sighs) sincere. Do you think he's sincere? She cuts him, doesn't cut it off, but she just puts a little cut on his his penis. And the guy freaks out and passes out. And before they leave, there was $20,000 on the guy's desk. They take the $20,000 and they leave. As they're walking out, Bert Reynolds tells Holly that she's got to get out of town. And she's like, yeah, I know. And she says, you got to get out of town too. But he's not. He's not going to get out of town. And they basically end up splitting the $10,000. She takes $10,000 and leaves. And he takes $10,000 and goes back to his apartment. And that's it. That's the end of Holly. Gone. Out of the movie. And now we go into another long Long part of the movie, where Burt Reynolds takes that ten thousand dollars, and he goes to the casino and he's gambling, and he's gamb because the one thing Burt Reynolds wants more in the world is to go to Venice. That is his driving force in life to live in Venice, and he wants to get enough money to live in Venice for five years. He has a five-year plan. So that's all his motivation is in life is to get enough money to go to Venice. Now he has his $10,000, he goes to the casino and through a painfully long montage he builds it up to $100,000. He gets 100 he he gambles $10,000 into $100,000. And that took incredibly long to do and it wasn't very interesting to watch. Then him and Peter McNichol, who he runs into they start talking to each other He goes, this isn't enough Well, this is what he says What are you thinking about? I haven't got enough money What do you mean you don't have enough money? You have $100,000 I haven't got enough For what? I'll be fine the first couple of years But every day after that I'm going to be closer to coming back here What? What do you need? I need fuck you money Well, how much is that going to be? 20,000 a year for life. So after a very long time of talking, he goes back to the table and immediately loses his $100,000. So all that, all that time spent just looking and playing poker and talking that it was a huge maybe 15 20 minutes part of the part of the movie. It was all for nothing. It was all for nothing. He's right where he started at the beginning of the movie. All that meant nothing. So now we go on another long, excruciating part of the film where Peter McNichol and Burt Reynolds... Is it Peter McNichol or Peter McNichols? I'm going to say it wrong eventually. Peter McNichol and Burt Reynolds are just walking along. And this is another And what they're doing is they're just rehashing all the stuff that we know in the movie. Peter McNichols is a rich kid. Burt Reynolds is a mercenary. Burt Reynolds has no money. Uh, And it comes out that Peter McNichols wants to hire Burt Reynolds to teach him how to fight because he wants to learn how to defend himself. I don't know. We go from the walking montage to a... Fighting montage? Not fighting, but a training montage where now Burt Reynolds is teaching Peter McNako how to defend himself. It's just, this movie is just long stretches of nothing followed by long stretches of nothing. It's a very, very boring movie. And it's an hour 45! You know how much walking and talking you could have cut out of this movie to get it down to an hour and a half? It still would have been boring. Trust me. It still would have been boring. But it would have been less boring. You could have been out of there in an hour and a half instead of an hour 45. (sighs) Now we see Burt Reynolds walking with Baby. And now they're in a meeting. And it's Burt Reynolds and Baby and the pretty boy. And the pretty boy lies. He he makes up the story of how Burt Reynolds got into his room. And pretty boy says that Burt Reynolds broke into his room and shot the two bodyguards. I don't have a lot of good things to say about this movie, but this is one of the good things I have to say about this movie. That was a great way to get exposition out and develop a character without your standard, well, the, the, it was... He tells the story. He has to tell a story so it fits. It's not awkward. It fits in the scene of the movie. He has to tell the story what happens and he tells Baby that Burt Reynolds killed his two bodyguards, which, which isn't true, which means he killed his own bodyguards to keep them from telling anybody what happened to him in that room. So that just cements what kind of person this is. And I thought it was done very, very nice. Not a lot of good things in this movie, but that was a nice, good thing. Where Burt Reynolds says his side of the story and baby sides with Burt Reynolds. And uh, little baby cakes, uh, you know, pretty boy, is not happy with that. And he just storms out. He says, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. And he, and he leaves. We cut to Burt Reynolds in his office. He starts, he has all his posters of Venice on the wall. He starts taking them down. He realizes it's just a pipe dream. He's never going to get to Venice. He comes to that conclusion. And he's in his office and he's taking down these posters and Peter McNichols comes in. And he gives him a ticket. He gives him a ticket to Venice. And he gives him a cashier's check that only can be cashed in Venice I. This is one of. This is a movie trope. Which. Uh, you, how? Why would you give this man? You just met this man literally two days ago. You know nothing about him. He's really done nothing for you. Yet, you're gonna give him an incredible amount of money. Because you've grown close. You yeah, i would say, you know maybe if you're in a stressful situation with some you grow close quicker there were no stressful situations i mean he was with them when he lost that money but to me that would just why would you give him more money if he loses it it's it's just not believable that peter mcnichols would grow that close to burt reynolds in that short of time where he would give him that amount of money it just doesn't make sense he gives them the cashier's check he gives them the ticket to venice And then Pretty Boy and his goons break in. And they're going to shoot Burt Reynolds and Peter McNichol starts playing like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, I shouldn't even be here. He punches a goon in the face and Pretty Boy is going to shoot Burt Reynolds and Peter McNichol jumps in front of the bullets and takes the bullets for Burt Reynolds. If you thought giving $20,000 to a man you just met was over the top. Now he's taking bullets for him! And Burt Reynolds crashes out the window. And it's Burt Reynolds that does the stunt. I did uh, uh, the podcast uh, Cop and a Half, which came out what is it, uh, seven years after this movie. And Burt Reynolds was doing a lot of his stunts in that movie. He does a lot of his stunts in this movie as well. And it's actually Burt Reynolds crashing through the window. So it was good to see that. Good to see Bert doing his own stunts. Well, the goons start chasing Burt Reynolds all over Vegas. They chase him. They get into this construction area. And at this point, it sort of turns into a slasher film because Burt Reynolds starts picking off Pretty Boy's men one by one by one. So it's kind of a slasher movie at this moment. And Burt Reynolds ends up killing... All of Pretty Boy's men, and Pretty Boy freaks out and he runs back to his suite at the hotel. Somehow, Burt Reynolds got there before him, and Burt Reynolds starts taunting him. He starts taunting him like this DeMarco, how does it feel to be alone? Just you and me now. want to hear how you're gonna die yeah that was a win not me what's the matter pretty boy afraid of the dark you should be know how long it's going to take you to die. I'll give you a hint. Thinking days. And Pretty Boy starts shooting wildly. You know, he's got... He's down to one bullet in his clip. Burt Reynolds knows that. He's been counting. And you know what Pretty Boy does? You know what this Pretty Boy does? This rich mob guy whose father... Is king of prostitution in Kentucky. That's what we're told in this movie. This man who has tons and tons of resources at his fingertips against Burt Reynolds, a middle aged man who is a, an efficient killer but has no means at his disposal. This guy could go anywhere in the world to escape Burt Reynolds. This man, who doesn't even need to be in his apartment, the minute he found out Burt Reynolds was in his apartment, he could have run out of that building and not confronted him. He shoots himself in the head. He has one bullet left, and he shoots himself in the head. He commits suicide rather than deal with Burt Reynolds when he had a ton of, of other options before this would have happened. And you're telling me he couldn't have gotten some protection from the mob somewhere from Burt Reynolds. And, as I said before, his dad is king of prostitution in Kentucky. That's a great job to have, I'm guessing. Isn't there going to be retribution? You think his dad is going to let this slide? You think the mob's going to let this slide? Pretty boy shoots himself in his suite, and Burt Reynolds just walks out of there. We cut to... The hospital, Peter McNichols, has survived getting shot in the chest twice. And this was an added-on scene. And one of the reasons I can tell this was an added-on scene is because Burt Reynolds' toupee looks totally different than it has through the whole movie. So in this pickup shot, they couldn't get the same toupee, I guess. And this pickup shot was put on because It was originally supposed to end, Peter McNichols wasn't supposed to come back. It was supposed to end with Peter McNichols being dead. They thought that was too depressing, so they shot this pickup shot, he's alive. The end shot is actually Burt Reynolds in Venice. And the last shot with Burt Reynolds in Venice is he's got the toupee that he was wearing through the whole movie. So I'm guessing the movie was supposed to end with this guy shooting himself, committing suicide, and then Burt Reynolds being in Venice. And I look down and this, I'm only at uh, 28 minutes right now. And the reason I'm at 28 minutes is because nothing happens in this movie. Nothing, nothing happens. There's that there's the uh, there's a, the brief scene in the hotel room where he beats up pretty boy and then there's the last 10 minutes of the movie where he uh, where he hunts down pretty boy and his gang. Other than that, it is just long stretches of talking and walking and talking and walking. This is one of the most boring movies I've ever And I'll admit, okay, Burt Reynolds is fun to watch. Actually, the chemistry between Burt Reynolds and Peter McNichols is nice. But you need more than that. This isn't a drama, and this isn't an action movie. It's nothing. This this is the definition of a nothing movie. If you're a Burt Reynolds fan and you want to watch everything he's done, you're going to watch this movie. If you are an action fan, do not watch this movie. If you're a drama fan, do not watch this movie. This movie is not worth watching. I kept looking at the time. And I kept checking. It's like, "Holy cow, how can we still have 45 minutes left?" And that's it. I I think I've made it pretty clear how I feel about the movie Heat. Skip it. Go to one of his more interesting movies. You know, even if you see it for a dollar, don't even bother. It's not even worth a dollar. Picking it up, you know, renting it off of it might be if you it's uh, if it was on YouTube for free, if you want to watch it then. But don't spend any money on this movie. I cannot not recommend, I cannot not recommend this movie more. And this is a short one because I had absolutely nothing to talk about. The fact that I got it to about a half an hour, I'm surprised. So, this is another episode of the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson podcast. Thank you for joining in, and I'll see you next time. To support this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com slash white and give what you're able. If you're listening on iTunes, please give a review. This should help people find the podcast when they're searching. No matter what services you use to listen, please leave feedback. We always want to improve. Thank you for listening to the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson podcast.